0: Dobrý den, vítájí vás všichni na rádio předáči nášho los rádio křížkového Korinje, na které CHLY stojí na simul FM umístěné námol. Zváme Oksana Pavarejšnich i ja, Pavina. Stay tuned next for Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio here on CHLY 101.7 FM in Nanaimo. Your host from 11 till 12 will be Oksana Pobereznik in Ukrainian. Then from 12 to 12.30, join me, Pavlina, for a bilingual presentation.
1: Cojih večer, kojih večer s nam spala? To ta jedna duka moja, šetinе mija, ja ne tvoja, duška moja. To ta jedna duška moja, šetinе mija, ja ne twoja, duška moja. Щиро, є широ не думала, забудь мила гнівання, бо то було напрощання душко моя, забудь мила.
2: У вересні 2019 року виповнилося 75 років від початку депортації з Лемківщини, Насяння, Холмщини, Південного Пітляща, Любачівщини, Західної Бойківщини, мешканців цих регіонів. Близько півмільйона українців примусово переселили до Української соціалістичної республіки у 44-46 роках і десь стільки само уже до... 1951 року. І майже така сама кількість поляків було виселено, поляків і євреїв було виселено з території Західної України на територію Польщі. Одним з підсумків Другої світової війни стало встановлення нових державних кордонів в Європі, зокрема між Радянським Союзом і Польщею. Це питання постало ще на Тегеранській конференції керівників трьох союзних держав. У 1941 році її учасники дійшли згоди, що кордон між СРСР і Польщею пролягатиме по лінії Керзона, тобто як це було на вересень 1939 року. Щоб із таким поворотом ситуації погодився польський емігрантський уряд у Лондоні, прем'єр-міністр Великої Британії Вінстон Черчилль запропонував віддати Польщі взамін Західної України і Західної Білорусі землі Німеччини, Східну Пруссію, Західне Помор'я з Зданцигом і Верхню Селезію. Водночас обговорювали, як зробити, щоб після зміни кордонів українці опинилися в Українській Радянській Соціалістичній Республіці, а поляки – в Польщі. Так постало питання переміження населення. Хоча тоді йшлося виключно про добровільні засади переїзду людей – Депортація українців за угодою про взаємний обмін населення розпочалась 9 вересня 1944 року. Для встановлення радянсько-польського кордону і усунення тривалих суперечок щодо спірних територій між українцями і поляками, так зване розв'язання національної проблеми, у 44 році улюблені голови Ради народних комісарів Микита Хрущов і Польського комітету Едвард Особ Моравський уклали угоду про взаємний обмін населеннями українського з території Польщі до Радянського Союзу і польського з території України до Польщі. Спочатку вважали, що переміщення мало бути добровільним. Де Юре переселенці мали право вибору виїхати у міста, радгоспи, колгоспи або у місця, ведення індивідуального господарства у Західній області. Однак де-факто вивозили запланованими маршрутами без урахування думки людей. Підставою для переселення ставали списки осіб, що виявили бажання покинути Польщу, відмовитися від її громадянства та отримати паспорт Української Радянської Республіки. Причому виявлення волі могли бути письмовим, усним, і це створювало... Широкі можливості для зловживання. До прикладу, людину могли внести до списку, а вона про це і не знала. Вигнання нацистів зі Східної Європи у 44-45 роках супроводжувалось утвердженням у регіоні комуністичних режимів, шляхом масштабних репресій, депортацій та упокорення населення. У 44-46 роках депортація українців із Польщі охопила землі Лемківщини, Нацяння, Південного Підляща та Холмщини. Територія розташування вивезених людей охопила 17 областей і найбільше їх якраз усіло на Тернопіллі. Побри заяви, буцімто переїзд здійснюватиметься добровільно, комуністичні режими Радянського Союзу та Польської Народної Республіки – Масово використовували репресивні методи. Продовженням депортації українців стала акція «Вісла», проведена у 1947 році польським комуністичним режимом. У ході акції близько 150 тисяч українців депортували на північні та північно-західні території Польщі. Вигнанці втратили більшість майна. Внаслідок переселення і депортації у 44-52 роках рідних домівок було позбавлено близько 750 тисяч українців, а областей Української республіки переселили до Польщі майже 790 тисяч поляків та євреїв. «Оперейшн Вистула» – це був коденейм для 1947-й республіці української мінорії, також Бойкос і Лемкос – from the southeastern provinces of post war Poland to the recovered territories in the west of the country. The action was carried out by the Soviet installed Polish communist authorities with the aim of removing material support and assistance to the Ukrainian army. The Ukrainian insurgent army continued its activities until 1947 in both Subcarpathian and Lublin. With no hope for any peaceful resolution, Operation Wistula effectively brought, in the end, to the hostilities in the period of three months beginning on April twenty eighth, nineteen forty seven, and with Soviet approval and aid, about one hundred forty one thousand civilians. Residing around Beskede and Low Beskids, were forcibly resettled to the formerly German territories ceded to the Poland at the Yalta Conference in the end of Second War. The operation was named after Vistula River. Some Polish and Ukrainian politicians, as well as historians, condemned the operation following by 1989 fall of communists in Eastern Europe and described it as ethnic cleansing. Other pointed out that no other means of stopping the violence existed at the time since partisans used to regroup outside the Polish border. The deportation occurred in stage. Poland and Soviet-Ukrainian contact population exchanges resulting from bilateral agreements signed on September 9, 1944 and August 16, 1945. The first transfers occurred at the end of Second War. The Poles who reside east of the newly established border, were deported to New Poland over three years. Some 482,000 Lemkos, Russians and Ukrainians were deported between September 1944 and April 1946. Operation Vistula occurred within the Polish national borders. The transfer involved persons who were internally relocated as citizens of the country. The final relocation of Ukrainians and the Poles between the state borders occurred in 1951, when Poland was forced by the Soviet Union to adjust the border – in the upper san river area and the Belz area for economic reasons poland gave up rich deposits of the coal including the city of bels that was in poland and in exchange was assigned a strength of barren hand land with low quality soil and not natural resources east of the san river and south of przemysl the new soviet Acquisition went to Ukraine, and population were exchanged. Following the transfer of the land, the Soviets built large coal mines. There was the total capacity of 15 million tons annually. In 2007, the president of Poland, Lech Kaczynski, and Ukraine, Viktor Yushchenko, condemned the operation as a violent of human rights. У сьогоднішній передачі у нас у гостях буде Магдалена Алехнович. Магдалена живе у Варшаві, і вона є активним членом польського тостмастер-клубу, а також вона є хористкою українського хору. Я зустріла її якраз у польському тостмастері, і мені дуже сподобалася її історія про її родину, про родину, яка мала дружні стосунки, майже рідні стосунки з українцями. Якраз вона, і її родина з Перемишля, і мені було дуже цікаво послухати, ну, буквально вона настільки сильно вразила її розповідь, як сприймали люди тогочасні події, як важко здавалося їм це розлучення між сусідами. І от оця доповідь якраз виграла європейський Конкурс.
0: let's share your stories in public I said to my grandmother 12 years ago when I began studying journalism I wanted to interview her and publish it in our local paper I had the enthusiasm but she was the one with experience and stories needed in our community we lived in the Polish-Ukrainian borderland As any borderland, it has a diverse culture and rich history, but also occasional tensions. Sometimes our leaders cannot find common grounds, digging out conflicts from the past, pointing out who is a Greek Catholic and who is a Roman Catholic, who has Polish roots and who has a Ukrainian wife. Dear listeners, My grandma was the first person to tell me that harmony is possible even in diversity. She was born in that region 16 years before the Second World War, when it was home to many different nationalities. Being a child of a German craftsman, she watched her father trade with the local Jews. She attended weddings of her sisters and their Polish husbands. She cooked borscht with Olga, the Ukrainian wife of her eldest brother. The family worked hard, but when the holiday season was coming, they also played hard for weeks because there were so many rites, religions and different traditions to celebrate together. My grandma always cherished that memory because she knew that harmony does not last forever. The world she described to me suddenly ended when the war started when big politics came to her little village and started to divide people by their nationality, ethnicity and religion. 12 years ago, I said, Grandma, let's share your stories. I was already studying in Warsaw and getting ready for our interview, collecting relevant questions, doing further research. I even started to learn Ukrainian to know my region better. One day, unexpectedly, I got a phone call from my mom. Magda, grandma had a stroke. Stroke? The first case of stroke in my family. I didn't know what it meant. I took the first train home. I was still thinking that, after all, she's a strong, energetic lady. Always on the go. She's going to be fine. When I entered the room... I saw her from the side. She was sitting in a wheelchair. I said, Hello, Grandma. Cześć, Babciu. But she didn't turn to me. So I came closer and looked directly into her eyes. Hello, Grandma. She didn't look at me. As if she didn't notice I was standing "'in front of her. "'Normally, she would reply, "'Hello, sweetheart.' "'But she couldn't speak, "'and I could only hug her. "'After a few weeks, she began recovering. "'When I came home for Christmas,' She was already able to move her right hand, say yes and no, and she almost articulated my name. We spent hours together talking to her, reading, exercising. One day, as usual, I was reading a book to her and took a break for studying Ukrainian. I wanted to learn one Ukrainian Christmas carol. Imagine I'm sitting next to my grandmother. And I'm starting to sing. Dobry vecír tobi, pane hospodariu, ratuj Suddenly, I hear the second voice. Oj, ratuj się zem, syn Boży. I keep singing, I'm looking at her and I see she's the one singing with me. My German grandma, who never spoke any Ukrainian to me, I felt as if it was a miracle. Singing was easier for her than speaking and helped her recover. We spent hours singing in different languages, as in times when she celebrated with her neighbors and family of different cultures. My grandma learned that Ukrainian carol from Olga, the wife of her eldest brother, the one who taught her how to cook borscht because she brought her up when the mom of my grandma passed away. Together, they survived the war. My German grandma protected Olga when the Ukrainians were in danger. Olga protected my grandma when being a German was a threat to her life. Their friendship lasted for years after the war, when they wrote letters to each other across the Iron Curtain. I learned about it from the son of Olga, Uncle Frankie, whom I interviewed in Canada a year after the Christmas miracle. Dear listeners, when our communities are polarized, we need more stories that build harmony. So let's build it together by doing what we do best. Let's search for harmony examples in our families and share them further through our stories.
2: Dzień dobry Pani Magda, witam serdecznie w studii Nasza Radio.
3: Oh, dzień dobry, dzień dobry, witam serdecznie.
2: <laughs> For our listeners, I would like to introduce Magda. I met Magda on uh, one Toastmaster meeting. I was invited by Ukrainian Toastmaster Andrew Maksymenko and I heard the speech. The speech was like so heartbreaking. I was sitting, stopping and crying. And speech was uh, about Polish people who lived together with Ukrainian people during Second War. And uh, then I contacted with Magda. Magda lives in Poland, in Warsaw now. And uh, she is a very professional Toastmaster speaker. For Ukrainian who doesn't know what is Toastmaster, this is organization, world famous organization for practicing public speaking, and this speech won European contest. I would like to invite Magda to our studio.
3: Thanks a lot, Oksana. Thanks a lot for for having me. Uh, so um, I tell stories for passion. As uh, we discussed before, uh, I'm actually um, professionally a management consultant, so I am a serious business lady, but in my free time, I love to tell stories. Uh, I actually um, have my educational background in journalism, and also I started my career as a journalist. And also the Ukrainian topics and generally the Eastern European topics were always close to my heart. I come from the southeast of Poland, um, precisely from the Polish-Ukrainian borderland, and the story I made for the contest was uh, actually related to my background, to my family background. The the contest speech was built around the topic of the conference, which was harmony in diversity, and I wanted to uh, also give a speech uh, that... uh, Will show what it means um, in the context of that region of the Polish Ukrainian borderlands.
2: This uh, story became 75 years ago, and uh, that's very heartbroken, very hard for many Ukrainians, for my grandparents too. Uh, that story about people resettling from the lands. To know about how hard this was for people, you have to understand that uh, Ukrainians mostly were agricultural people. They loved their land. All roots were the land. All their wishes, all their thoughts were about land. And at that time, 1945-1947, they were pushed to move from their land. First, it was propaganda time. The communist regime put a lot effort of uh, propaganda to persuade people to move to the beautiful kind of beautiful Soviet Ukrainian. But most people refused that. And then finally, they were forced to, to move to Soviet Ukrainian. Also, they were forced to move to north of Poland, the new Polish territory, Wroclaw, I heard little bit, because in Soviet time, my grandparents, my parents were not allowed to tell us. I even guessed it was their wishes to move, but I didn't know real, real background. And only when I was grade 11, my teacher said to me, your last name sounds like Polish, I guess. um, I don't know, maybe yes. And he said, do you know about deportation? I said, no, I don't know. And he said to me, go to grandmother and ask her. At first,
3: um, it was the follow-up of the war, and a lot of people also suffered during the war. And the war was over, but the horror didn't end for many people. And, you know, my grandma is uh, actually German, uh, but living in that Polish-Ukrainian borderland, as already the fourth generation of Germans who lived there and all of her siblings emigrated, obviously, after the no. war, they, they didn't come back home. Um, same for the Ukrainian uh, part of the family, uh, because one of her brothers were, was married to the Ukrainian, she actually emigrated to Canada. Uh, so yeah, it was, uh, I think, the, the horror didn't end for, for many people, and leaving your lands, just like, you know, overnight. Without, like, a reason, it must mm-hmm. be very, very hard.
2: 30 minutes, my grandmother said. 30 minutes, mm-hmm. they have to pack their belongings and leave the house. The, uh, as far
3: as I you know, I'm, I'm also not a historian, but uh, from the testimonials I read, uh, also in my family, um, people from from the Carpathian Mountains, because I'm actually from there,
4: mm-hmm.
3: um, they all, you know, um, were also, not all, but some of them, were deported to Siberia. Part of people were also yes. deported there. during in
2: the last years of war, or the yes, century. yes, and story for for Polish people was so hard too. I heard story. Most uh, people, Polish people, who didn't use the chance to move to Poland, like first part time, they were deported to Siberia from Ukrainian region. It was so sad story. Yes, and uh, the big problem. Now, the second one problem. I finally found the manipulation of uh, this historical moments. And this, again, this very problematic too now. Some political organization want to keep the conflict, like very past conflict, try to keep and bring mm-hmm. gain.
3: Yeah, and actually, you know, the story I made for the contest was um, a story against it because... Um, uh, I'm actually Polish, but I mm-hmm. just happens to be born in that region where there were so many cultures, where so many cultures used to, you know, coexist like next to each other. And um, even though we we also need to remember that Galicia, because uh, um, actually we speak about that historical region. Mm-hmm. Uh, it used to be extremely poor. It was probably one of the poorest regions in the Austrian-Hungarian Empire, and a lot of people, you know, even before the war, they emigrated um, out of their own will because they wanted to escape the poverty. Uh, still, yeah, majority of people were later um, either moved or deported during the war or just after the war, which is um, which is still uh, another topic. Um, but actually. Um, I made the story to encourage people also to share more positive examples of how the life used to live uh, used to look like there. Uh, because also in the um, Polish narratives, in some media outlets, you will also, um, mainly like local um, minority media outlets, you will also hear mainly stories about the past, about the war conflicts between the Polish and Ukrainians, um, of the events that happened in Volhynia. So um, I think that um, it's it's not the way and it's not the direction we should follow. Because, you know, in my region, there are still many Ukrainians. Now in Poland as well, there are still uh, many new Ukrainians, new Ukrainian immigrants, young people who came here in the past few years. And I don't see um, a sense in you know digging out these stories and showing what actually divides us. Because uh, I think we should think more constructively and focus on positive examples of our coexistence that um, definitely can be found in our families.
2: And you sounded like ambassador. You opened the problem. What was uh, seventy-five years ago? You opened this. And you brought the story to the new light, like united people who were historically neighbors and friends.
3: That was actually my main intention. And it was very risky to do. (laughs) It was. Because in the past years, I think the more popular narrative is that narrative also in um, many countries in the world, in, in Europe, but also in America, especially in the United States, we see that the nationalistic um, narratives are getting more and more popular. So, you know, in the U.S., the president is threatening the Americans with the Mexicans coming to their country. So in my town, in my hometown, it wasn't like, you know, someone was threatening against Ukrainians. But, for example, the far-right parties, they would also mention uh, that, I don't know, the Poland needs to be for the Poles. In Great Britain, that was one of the reasons for Brexit uh, when, you know, politicians recklessly started to pointing out, oh, there are Polish immigrants coming and stealing our jobs. And um, this is how they divide people, of course, with the main goal to um, consolidate their voters uh, without thinking further, like you open the Pandora box and the consequences might be really terrible to people again. Because people are again being discriminated based on their nationalities or ethnicity.
2: Yes, people who have more common than different, they tried to be separate by some crazy ideas of difference. We heard Polish language at home, we kept many Polish traditions and I didn't didn't know what is the real Polish, but yeah. then when I tried to watch some from you from in another Polish people, I guess oh my god, I even I feel more at home even with you, because really you're my neighbors.
3: And you know what, uh, when I lived in the US um, I lived in Chicago mm-hmm. it was so much easier for me to connect with like Ukrainians or other Slavic people, because uh, we also have a similar mindset, um, so it was just um, I don't know, we have some common background and it's it's always easier um, and also, you know, in my hometown, in the southeast of Poland, there are so many people who, who have Ukrainian roots as well. And sometimes, you know, they use words that I know uh, they, they have Ukrainian roots, for example. But they don't even realize that. It's funny. It's also,
2: funny. Sometimes you meet a
3: person who has a Ukrainian last name, and you need to tell them, do, do you know that your last name is actually Ukrainian? <laughs> Um, and actually, my also my my small mission is to promote my region uh, to show that this diversity and that multiculturalism is actually our strength and, and our power because there is no other region like that in Poland and and um, more to the north uh, close to the border with Belarus uh, there are some cities where they cultivate this even more like there are schools that speak uh, Belarusian, uh, which is, you know, very unique. And in in my town, which is Przemysh, there is also a Ukrainian school. But I wish Mm -hmm. it was even more promoted to to show that, okay, we still have this, you know, cultural diversity and we should be proud of it.
2: I heard you singing a very beautiful carol in Ukrainian.
3: Yes. I actually, I started to learn Ukrainian when I moved to Warsaw and I started to study here at the university. And I actually learned it because at the beginning I belonged to a Ukrainian choir at my university. It was a theater with a choir and I actually played uh, in the Ukrainian place for Christmas. This is how I learned uh, a few Ukrainian carols. And recently, in the past year... I've been attending Belarusian choir in a Greek Catholic church here, here in Warsaw. And the, our teacher is actually from Ukraine, Orasta. <laughs> she's oh. she's oh. Ukrainian.
2: Oh, that's nice. Uh, Ukraine. Oh, uh, you're a little bit jealous. You have Ukrainian <laughs> vertep to the Christmas time. Oh, my God. <laughs> that was yeah. beautiful. No, actually,
3: the Ukrainian community here in Warsaw is, is, is very strong. I mean, even even in my hometown in, in przemyśl uh, it is quite strong. Like you have uh, music bands, you have. Uh, we used to celebrate also uh, the midsummer together, night of the Yeah, and you know, in przemyśl in my hometown, it was just also um, a very nice event when people would get together, and there was also very good Ukrainian choir and dancers. So I think the culture is still is still alive. But then in Przemysh, I feel it's more like charming because uh, you have actual Ukrainians singing in Ukrainian. And uh, it's, um, the event is, I, I say, it's simply wild because the girls, they really throw the uh, flower crowns into the Sun River and the boys really swim in the
2: river. Maybe you will make a movie one, one day about this
3: you know, it will be an interesting theme, actually, now, um, I live in Warsaw, but I go home quite often, and um, I also uh, cycle a lot um, when I'm at my my parents, and um, every time I am there, I have, like, many ideas coming to my mind that uh, there are so many stories to cover, like, uh, I like also, you know, stories that are more, like, existential, that are covering topics, like you mentioned, the topic of, uh, you know, deportation, leaving your home, like something that is changing to you, like, overnight, really, um, and then how how you deal with that struggles for example. Then also, I love this uh, this concept of multiculturalism, and this, you know, as, and particularly in my region, where people like my grandma they were like simple people who just uh, went with the flow i would say they didn't plan much they were like peasants craftsmen they didn't have like big ideas in their head they just wanted to live their simple life and then you know the big politics are coming and then how these people are are finding themselves in the new reality so uh, i think there are many inspirations there and and for, like, this uh, common celebration. Uh, Actually, I I, uh, tackled that uh, uh, topic a little bit in my story. Um, But, uh, yes, I also like this, you know, joyful atmosphere of of getting together, especially in the situation when people, you know, they don't uh, build it artificially. I mean, it's not that, for example, my grandma, she would not even use words like, multiculturalist no it was you know so natural the wife of her brother was ukrainian and the husbands of her sisters were polish it was just the life she knew and it was it was created naturally so it's also just amazing for me that without all these big narratives and politics people can still find their way (laughs) to, to live in peace
2: yes never my grandmother never said like it was Polish family, it was Ukrainian family. Just once she told me this, uh, before deportation, they were pushed uh, to go to, like, local uh, kind of village center and uh, decide they are Ukrainian or Polish. They were like, oh, what they have to decide? Probably they will choose Ukrainian because, uh, uh, like... Ukrainian they called Ukrainians, yeah, so they yeah. they were like confused why they should ch- to choose to be Ukrainian and Polish. It's it's true, and then you know there were many mixed families as well, like
3: um, the family from my father's side. Um, my great grandma, she was uh, Ukrainian, and great grandpa was uh, Polish, um, and also actually they were also deported to the Mazurian lands, um, but. <laughs> I think they didn't even know for what. Or, well, my, my grand, great-grandpa probably knew because he was a forester. Uh, you know, he worked, worked in the forest, and he was also uh, involved by the... On one side, uh, there was also the Ukrainian insurgent army uh, who was hiding in the forest, and then mm-hmm. uh, the Polish army who was searching for them. So uh, my father and my grandfather used to say that, you know, the great-grandfather, he said that, yeah, it doesn't matter whether um, which side will hurt him first, because they were both just, you know, kind of destroying the balance they, they lived in for many
2: years. That story wasn't told in my, my childhood. Then I grew, it was Soviet Union broke, broke down. And a lot of chaos in country. I didn't pay attention what in the past. I just uh, were concentrated on presence because presence was so hard at that time for years, not for only like month or two, for, for I guess six, seven years. Was so big chaos in the country. And uh, after that, uh, I began to look in my roots and discovered that I didn't know exactly what happened at that time i met you and was like big light in my life oh yes this i know i know what i want to know i want to know stories from different people and that's your polish side was more interesting what was at the time and i heard you knew much more than i did you will tell me story now from your point of view from your vision
3: you know i think there were so many like individual stories um, you know also in the carpathian mountains there were mm-hmm. many people of um, lemkos origins there yes. were boykos too and probably uh, after all they were all uh, classified as ukrainians uh, and also later deported in the vistula action But I think that every story is probably individual. Like a part of uh, my family from my father's side, as I mentioned, my great-grandpa, he was Polish, but because he had Ukrainian wife, they were treated also as Ukrainians and deported to the Mazurian land. Uh, But then they came back. They came back because they just, uh, it was years after when they were already not afraid to do it, Uh, but they were just, they felt connected to, to that land. Uh, and I think they were also quite brave because, you know, probably they, they still remember that, that time. Uh, and I actually started to, to learn more about it when I was already, when I was already in the primary school. Uh, you know, as a child, I liked to do the family tree and gather more information. Then when I was getting older, when I was in the high school, I was already more mature. And my grandma actually didn't tell me, like, many stories about the war. I think they were just too drastic to share with children. And, you know, she was a proper Roman Catholic lady. And I, just, I believe that she simply didn't want to share some stories, um, especially the more terrifying ones. And she was also a very positive person, despite all the things that she uh, also went through. And she she used to always say like for example, when she heard some comments about uh, you know some political comments uh, she she used to say like, oh come on they are br- they are bringing this old stuff again like just let us live you know <laughs> not uh, we, we don't you know want to argue any any longer. It was very good that I started to gather all these stories when I was quite young because I actually wrote the history of my family in 2017 when my uncle in Canada was turning 80 and I wanted to make him a nice gift and because of my previous passions I was just able to gather everything and put together now I would probably not have so much energy and time to do it again but uh, luckily, you know, I had everything in my little box. I had a lot of documents, some archives from the Greek Catholic Church and the Roman Catholic Church. Uh, I actually got even one small book recently um, from uh, from Greek Catholic Church. I mean, not directly, but friends of my mom gave it to her um, because she, you know, it, she gave to my mom like a very old book about these villages, mm-hmm. uh, because she simply doesn't speak Ukrainian. And she said, oh, there is, uh, I, I don't have any use of it, so your, your daughter will, <laughs> will know what to do with it. And, you know,
2: for me, this book is a treasure.
3: Yeah. Uh, because I, before that, I had many sources um, from Germany and from Poland, but didn't have much from Ukraine. So I was really happy to see it, to get it.
2: Oh, yeah. So that's really good.
3: I think parents may also know a lot because uh, even if they didn't want to really gather stories they may have heard something and for example my father knows really a lot but I just learned that I sometimes need to ask very specific questions because if I go to them and I just say oh tell me a story they sometimes repeat the same stories over and over again but then, for example, when I went to him and I asked him, okay, so our great-grandfather, uh, the one who was a forester, like, what happened to him exactly? Why was he sick? Why was he, I don't know, why, why did he decide to come back, etc.? And when you ask these precise questions, they are, like, opening up because they may not even think that this is interesting to you or this is relevant so as a journalist, we need to have, you know, this directed
2: interview. Yes, 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 yes. You know how to catch the right answer. That's true. I have to learn yeah, a it lot.
3: Makes it, it makes it easier for them as well. Because, mm-hmm. again, they may just think that, well, I have I have nothing to say. I, I, I have one uncle, and, and he is an inventor. And I called him actually a few weeks ago because now I also want to write a history of my father's family uh, because, you know, it's not fair that I made it for my mom's family but not for my father. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm trying to make it even. And I called my uncle uh, from my father's side and I asked him, um, Oh, uncle, uh, could you tell me like more about uh, like that branch of our family? And he was like, uh, oh, come on, I need to, now with the COVID, I finally have time to do all the descriptions for my new inventions and you're bringing up this topic that is not needed for anyone. (laughs) Help me with the descriptions, not with the history. (laughs) And he's like, you know, underestimating it and playing it down. And, you know, of course, we all have more practical things to do. But I also know that uh, it's good to do this exercise at least once per your life. And I, I truly think that next generation of our families will appreciate that, that someone took that effort and gathered the stories.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. This is very interesting. This is very, very unique, but not artificial, like very natural and very unique, very authentic story. We call this Rodzynka. Uh,
3: yeah, we call it the same in Polish. <laughs> yeah, the, the uh, raisin. Yes. It's actually, for me, I was also hesitant initially about sharing that story because it's also more personal. And and I still remember when I said it's the first time I was shaking and I, I felt it is completely not my comfort zone because I'm not used to being so personal in front of the audience or later in front of the camera. So it was very, very difficult. But then when I shared it for the first time, people were like,
2: Wow Yes so I when I heard this I was sitting crying, I turned my camera off, didn't see and asked Andrew Andrew who is the Magda? And he told me I listened to this story a couple of times and I cry all the time. It was Completely broke me. It was Magda Olechnowicz with her story about her relation with grandmother and her story about the past Ukrainian Polish relationship. Thank you, Dziako, your accent. Thank you, Dziako, for <laughs>
4: Hej, tam gdzieś na czarnej wody, siada na końko za chłody, czule się sieć dzieczyno, jeszcze czule z Ukrainą. Hej, 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 sokoły, omijajcie góry lasy doły, z bogoń, zwon, bokoń, dzwoneczku, mój step poby z koroneczku. Hej, 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 hey, sokoły, omijajcie. Dzwoń, 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 dzwoneczku, pójść te poły, dzwoń, dzwoń, dzwoń. Wiele dziewcząt jest na świecie, lecz najwięcej w Ukrainie, tam na serce pozostałe, przy kochanej mej dziewczynie, hej, 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 są goły. Hey, hey 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 so goin'. Oh, I ain't seen nothing dzwoń, 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 I've Стебовиць поронечку, hey 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 hey, пусть дайче, а як умре, поховайте на Україні. Przy kochanej mej dziewczynie. Hej, 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 zły sokoły, oj, góry lasy doły. Zwołaj, zwołaj, zwołaj w dzwon, dzwon, zwoneczku, puste poły w
2: Пісня «Гей-Соколи» дуже популярна в Україні, Польщі, Словаччині та Білорусії. Ці пісні розповідається про козака, який поїхав на чужину та тужить за батьківщиною та дівчиною. Авторство цієї пісні приписують Томашу Подурі, якого ще називають «Поляком з українським серцем». Це ім'я від певно не небагатьом, але пісню люблять і співають мільйони і часто вважають її народною. Постать Томаша Падури, а ще часом його називають Тимко Падура, доволі суперечлива. Як в творчості цього поляка, революціонера, мандрівного співця переплилися шляхетське походження і любов до безкраїх українських степів. А народився... Томаш Подура у 1801 році на Вінничині недалеко Бердичева походив зі спольщного шляхецького роду. З дитинства малий Тимко любив все українське. Томаш Подура наполягав на необхідності спільної боротьби поляків та українців за незалежність, а також він брав участь у повстанні пороти Російської імперії спільно з Литвою, Україною та Білоруссю. Польська версія пісня прозвучала у виконанні Пікардійської терції, а українська версія у виконанні вармінського.
5: чорні hey, На коня козак молодий, плаче жаль, молода дівчина, іде козак з України. Гей, 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 соколи, оминайте гори лісе доли. Двій, двій, дзвін, дзвіночку, з теповий жаль, вороночку. Гей, 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 соколи, оми. Hey, 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 Sokoly! соколи, дзвіночку, двін, двін, Step вороночку. jayvoročku. соколи, дзвіночку,
0: To the top of the hour now, so we'll take a short break for some important messages and the local news with Lisa Kardasko. Then we'll be back with part two of Nash Holos Ukrainian
2: Roots Radio for another half hour. Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now.